0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good, good, good wherever in the world this may find you. Welcome, my friend, to class number two, the Olympic spirit. Acting rocks. We get the best profession. We get the best craft. I'll tell you, I love to really live. I love being awoken from the sleepwalking that I go through in daily life. And when I think about what I've chosen for myself as an actor, As a director, when I think of the worlds I get to place actors in, think about what we get to do with our lives. You get to spend your day being Joan of Arc. I mean, there's so many different tastes in life that we're privy to, but the tastes of faith that Joan of Arc got to taste, I want to go there. I want to know what it's like to be a little kid and hear the voice of God. I struggle with faith. I don't know what that could possibly be like to actually hear God speak to me. For me to then go to the King of France and find a way to inspire him to believe enough to give me his army, to take that army as a little girl and win battles. I mean, I want to know what that's like. I yearn to know what that's like. I get to know what that's like because I'm an actor. I get to know what betrayal is like when all those people turn their backs on me as Joan. I get to know what it's like to be in a small jail cell, to be told that I have to deny that God ever spoke to me. I want to know what it's like to not know if God is still there at that level after having heard him talk to me. I want to know why God doesn't answer. I want to know what it's like to still stick with faith. I want to know what it's like to be on a stake and have the fires burning at my feet. I never want to go near that in life. But oh my gosh, I get to really know that as an actor. What a gift of life to know what it's like to be at the crossroads of death like Hamlet. To not know whether to be or not to be. Really. To look around at the lunacy of life. For it not to make any sense. The betrayals of a mother. The death of a father who is pleading from you. What's it like to have your father come as a ghost and say, avenge my death? Thank God my father's still alive. But I don't know. But I want to know that taste of life. And I get to as an actor. Romeo and Juliet. What is it like to find love at that level and because of a twist of fate have to leave that love forever but have one night with each other i mean in all of my life i don't know that i'll ever taste what that goodbye is like i want to know it i want to go there i want to taste that end of the human condition i want to reach that height we have the coolest profession If we do our work, we get to really, really live as a president, to live as the captain of a starship, going boldly where no one has gone before. We get to be an alien. I mean, what are we talking about here? We get to be best buds with Barney Stinson. We get to have a friend named Joey Tribbiani. We get to be a princess. We get to be a prince. We get to be an ogre named Shrek. I mean, witches, preachers. Mountain climbers, nurses, hostage negotiators, surgeons with your hand in someone's body. What are we talking about here? You get to have your hand in someone's body. I was supposed to be a doctor. And I turned to this profession. I remember having a conversation with my mom and saying, don't worry so much. I'll still get to be a doctor and a lawyer and a president and an astronaut. And she wasn't buying that. Acting is the best. I mean... In this long story of life, we get to live it. We get to go there to the richest, fullest peaks of human tastes. We get to live, really live in those imaginary circumstances. We get to, if we want to. The choice is yours on the sort of actor you want to be, my friend. And there really are two types of acting, two directions to go in this craft. You can either make the choice to make-believe... Or you can settle for playing pretend. Either you're going to really do the work to go there, or you're okay with skating just above it, with tasting just the echo of it, the idea of the thing. Playing pretend has its pulls. You get to be a part of the team. You get to play, dabble in characters, in worlds that are unique and fun and different. When we talk about playing pretend, we're talking about lower professional standards. And that's got to be easier. We're talking about less personal accountability. That's got to be way easier and more, I guess, comfortable. And we're certainly talking about no real requirement of your artistic truth, that artistic spirit, all that scratching and clawing stuff that I'm pushing over here. There's less effort when it comes to playing pretend. And you still get the community aspect. You still get to hang out with all the cool people. You still get to be around directors and writers and actors and designers and all the stuff that makes up our world of acting. You get to be a part of that community when you play pretend. You still get to try on the costumes. You still get to say the lines when you're playing pretend. Plenty of reasons why that pull of comfort, why that pull of ease is going to be enticing. Playing pretend is easier. Making believe, on the other hand, is a heck of a challenge. When we talk about making believe, the person that needs to believe is you. The doing, the work, the effort is singularly focused on what it takes to spark your actor's faith, what it takes for you to believe. And what does it take for an actor to believe? What does it take for you to believe in those imaginary worlds? We only believe when we know, when we know, when that click in our instrument goes off, that barometer's click of knowing. When we know, we believe. When you know, you know. There's no negotiating with that finality. Doing the work to get there, to get to that click where it's so obviously known that you believe. What you're reaching for what you're scratching and clawing when we're talking about these knowings is your artistic truth that exact specific thing that only you know making believe the work of making believe is the work of uncovering your artistic spirit getting to it there is no one in the world who has ever seen the world through your lens no one who has ever been born no one who ever will be born can play the role the way that you can can infuse it with your artistic spirit. Making believe means that you are doing the work to make it so obvious, so truthful, so knowing, so instinctual inside of yourself that you simply, obviously believe. And that, my fine friend, requires an Olympic spirit. It requires you to do the work to get to your artistic truth. You gotta. There's no one else who can doing the work to get to your artistic truth and when we talk about doing the work for every muscle until it's instinct we're talking about chasing down the inner demons of doubt wherever they show up it's unacceptable for there to be an echo inside of you that says no 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 you know it's not true bullshit 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 i don't want that echo to ever be inside my acting instrument your acting instrument Doing the work for every muscle means that we hunt down those inner demons of doubt, that we do things, the tools, the exercises, the muscle builders that we have to take on those demons of doubt wherever they show up until they are eradicated, until all that's left is what we deeply, simply, fully, texturedly know. So, of course, we believe. Doing the work for every muscle until its instinct Making believe requires an Olympic spirit. You may ask yourself, since there is nobody in this entire world who ever will, ever has known what I know, no one who has ever tasted life the way that I do, how will anyone ever know if I don't go all the way to my artistic spirit, if I don't use that Olympic spirit to get to every single muscle, if I leave some echoes of doubt over there? How will anyone know the difference? Really? Why continue digging? Why should you put in this effort, put in this Olympic spirit, have this type of will to go in all directions wherever it shows up? Why put in that effort to reach the gold of your artistic truth, when truthfully, the fool's gold of cliché would be accepted? Who would know? You would. And in truth, we all would. There is something about art that I like to refer to, true art, in whatever form, I refer to it as like strumming on the cord of human truth. I don't know the ins and outs of paintings, but I have been in front of paintings that widen my knowing of life, that help me look clearer into the nooks and crannies of me. I've heard songs that make me understand myself that help me process a breakup or a hope that I have of becoming something more in myself. Not all songs and not all paintings, not all dance, strums on that chord of human truth. Some of it is stuff that I watch or I listen to or I see. It doesn't penetrate. It doesn't infuse. It doesn't expand something inside of me. I don't know that I could describe the ins and outs of opera, I don't know that I can describe the ins and outs of ballet or the specific type of choreography that's on display. But man alive, something resonates even before I can process it. Something hits my soul and I know it's true. I know it's part of the human condition. I know that it's going to reverberate inside of me and make me think and struggle and expand and look at things differently. When I sit down in front of a movie, I know that my life is gonna be changed forever, even in a small, subtle way. This chord of human truth, we strum on it as actors, and when we do it in the world of acting, I like to think of that as a moment of magic. A moment where we, the audience, we believe because you believe. Where, just for a second there, you're not an actor. It's not a set or a screen that I'm watching. Something is revealed. Something so true, again, so subtle or so huge, it doesn't matter, it's just for a moment. The magic of this work, of really believing, it connects all of us. We're all there. We all live through it. Not only do we believe what you believe, but in that moment you have gifted us because we know what you know. You have a gift, and I mean it, and you know it because you're an audience member too. Think of the performances in this world that have shaped you, and the way you look at yourself, your history, your future, your present, yourself, is different, is fuller, you see more than you saw beforehand. Think of the performances that have opened up doors in the world for you to imagine things that you couldn't have seen or known beforehand. Performances are mentorship on the type of lives we want to lead, the directions we don't want to go into. Things we want to be better at in the future. Think of the performances that have shaped you. Not all performances have shaped me. Not all performances have shaped you. Some of them we've enjoyed because we like the personality of the person that we're watching. But you know the performances that I'm talking about. The ones that you have lived and tasted and been in the soul of the character. The ones that still stick with you. Those moments of magic are gold. They are what we are after. When I think of moments of magic, one of my favorite memories is seeing William Shakespeare's Cymbeline at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. In the play Cymbeline, there is a character named Posthumus, and Posthumus is in love with Imogen. But because of a crazy set of circumstances, Posthumus believes that he was the cause of Imogen's death. Now, there's a war that happens towards the end of the play, and Posthumus does everything he can to be captured by the enemy because he hopes that they will kill him. He hopes that he pays for what he believes he did to Imogen. And in this scene where Posthumus is alone on stage in the jail cell, we hear him turn to the gods and plead for his death. The actor playing posthumous, left alone on stage, left alone in that jail cell, turned to all of us in the audience as the gods, and he started. You good gods, give me the penitent instrument to pick that bolt, then free forever. He's asking us for death, and he's looking around, but he's not getting it from us. And his eyes divert down to the section of pillows at the front row, and right at the center... There's a girl of maybe five or six years old, and she's sitting there with rapt attention to what he's saying. He turns and looks at her and says, "'Isn't it enough I am sorry? So children, temporal fathers, do appease. Gods are more full of mercy.' She gets up on her knees, this little girl, and all of us start to look down at this interaction that's happening. Posthumus moves closer to the girl. The girl is up on her knees, and he says to her, "Must I repent? I cannot do it better than in gyves." He looks down at his chains, "Desired more than constrained. For Imogen's dear life, take mine." "And though 'tis not so dear, 'tis a life you coined it. Between man and man they weigh not every stamp though light. Take" Pieces for the figure's sake, you rather mine being yours, and he looked true in her eyes. You would rather my death be in your hands than leaving me here on life to keep doing the wrongs that I'm doing. This little girl, amidst that moment and flash of fury, got up from her knees and she started to make nice on his face before her mom gently pulled her back towards the cushion. And there posthumous slept out of the spotlight probably out of the space he was supposed to land but in that moment every single person in that audience we believed Posthumus believed he was speaking to the gods that young girl believed that she could provide that comfort and because they believed, we believed, we knew what they knew. We knew from that care. We knew from that moment in his humanity where he is begging, begging to be released from the pain that he feels, from the hurt he feels he caused. We know now from the richness and subtlety of a young girl's pure caring That simple act of making nice awakens us from our sleepwalking state that we, the audience, live in with our daily bodyguards and filters. And when we talk about doing the work to make believe, it's wherever it shows up. Sometimes you're the actor playing posthumous and you're doing the work so that you know what it's like to know God. You know what it's like to know you're ill so you could speak truthfully and beg God to punish them. Sometimes your instrument is primed and ready and open like that of the girls. The act of making believe is simply the act of opening up your heart and listening. Doing the work doesn't mean doing every single piece of the work always like a robot. It means doing the work for all the muscles that need it. It's about finding out where those demons of doubt are inside of you and then turning to the Elysium aesthetic tools, the muscle builders and the exercises that are built to chase down those demons of doubt and turn them into character instinct, into such deep knowings, your knowings, your truth, your unique truth that no one has ever had in this world that you believe it so fully that we get to go there, that we are privy to this gift, this moment of magic. And boy, oh boy, is this a professional separator when you are the sort of person who has the will to do the work to make believe. They say that actors are replaceable. Well, on the one hand, that's because all actors have something to say. So that's nice that you could sort of step into any situation and always have the potential to succeed. But when they say actors are replaceable, they're talking about those who play pretend. Your artistic truth is not replaceable. Your standards of personal professional pride, the way in which you reach your potential and work towards it, that's irreplaceable. You are at a crossroads. All actors, me, you, all of us, we get to decide the type of actor we want to be. Will you settle for playing pretend? Or do you have the will to do the work, to make believe, to go there, to live it? Each new role is a new Olympic event, and there is only one human who has ever lived or ever will live that can attain the type of gold that we're talking about here, who could stand on that podium, and that's you. Each event gives you the opportunity to earn the gold of unapologetic artistic truth infused into the highest levels of collaboration. Making believe requires the Olympic spirit. All you need to do is decide for yourself who you want to be. Remember the promise I made at the outset. It'll never be a matter of whether you can, my friend. It'll only be a matter of whether you will. The question in front of us, making believe, playing pretend is only about who you want to be, what willingness you have, and if you have the willingness to do the work to make believe, if you have the willingness to do the work for every muscle until it's instinct all to unleash your potential, if you have the willingness to have an Olympic spirit lead you through this earned excellence, crossing the finish line of Elysium, I have got your back. The Elysium aesthetic has got your back. It's only fair that if you have an Olympic spirit that we surround you with Olympic training facilities, with Olympic coaching that knows the very best of motivation, the very best of everything it takes to work out your specific muscles with the very best exercises. Your Olympic spirit needs Olympic nurturing, and that's what I am here for. That's what this aesthetic is here for. That's what our Elysium community is here for worldwide. If you have the will, we have the way. And coming up after our break, we'll take on one of the great issues that comes with doing this work. How in the world do we find the time? The answer and another Olympic teammate is coming our way right after our break.